Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Welcome to another episode of Fearless Rider with Heidi McLaughlin, where fear is no longer an option and confidence is a goal within reach. And now, here's your host, Heidi McLaughlin. Hello and welcome to Fearless Rider. This is my very first podcast. Yes, it is. Yay. And it was developed as a result of the current COVID-19 virus, boo. So I decided to start this as a way for me to connect with my clients and my audience since all of the horse expos were canceled this year and all of my scheduled three-day clinics were canceled. So I am... Designing this show for people who are looking to find more confidence in the saddle and also in life. It does go hand in hand. So I am your host, Heidi McLaughlin, and for those who don't know my story, I am not a horse trainer, but I am a former fearful rider who figured out a method to help myself overcome my own fear and have dedicated my life to helping you with yours. So in the eight years that I was in fear, I bought and sold seven horses and was fired by six trainers. You know, at first I tried to hide my fear and try to act like it really wasn't there and try to act cool. But even when I was honest about it, uh, trainers still couldn't understand it and still couldn't figure out how to help me. They would say things like, you just need more time in the saddle or you need more lessons or you need a different horse or trust your training. You know what to do. Or my favorite one, cowgirl up and just do it. I wish it was that easy. Don't you? Does this sound familiar to anybody? So once I figured out this method and how I helped myself, I wrote my book called kick your fear of horses and kick is an acronym. So what does it mean? So today's episode, we will be talking about kick your fear. And the first K in kick stands for keep at it and don't give up. I understand more than anyone how frustrating this can be. And I understand 
that this is a frustrating process. It takes time. It takes tenacity. And no one knows better than I do that it just doesn't go away overnight. I I wish, folks, I wish I had a magic pill. But the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of tenacity. And you just can't give up. You can't hurry the process. And practice is the key. And practice is the only way to become good at anything. So you got to put the time in. But, you know, I say practice makes perfect, but good practice makes perfect. You know, we don't know what we don't know. But when we start to learn the correct method and that we were riding improperly, that our weight was wrong, our seat was wrong, our posture was wrong, a lot of things we just didn't know. And we start to learn it. Well, we're going to go back to our old bad habits if we don't keep practicing really diligently and focusing on what it is that we're supposed to be doing better or changing or breaking bad habits and establishing good habits. So in my case, I had to learn to stop riding with fear, which was emotional riding, which meant when I was in the saddle, all I thought about was staying alive. And what I have learned and now what I teach is I have to teach you to ride intellectually where you are thinking about the task at hand. You are thinking about what you're supposed to be doing and doing it correctly. And therefore, your mind is not on, am I going to die today? But your mind is on, how am I going to stay alive today? This new practice, this new method of learning, this throwing out the old sloppy, no training type of writing, what it does is it keeps fear in our mind. Because if you are fearful, there is something missing in your training. I mean, what does say Chris Cox have that you don't have? And don't say money, because I know that too. But what I'm saying is, is what does he have? What then then that that you don't have, he has expertise. Well, how did he get that? Did he just wake up one day when he was a little boy and said, Hey, I'm gonna be a great horseback rider and then was? No. It took years and years and years and years and years of study and practice and more training and more study and more practice and more training to the point where he became an expert. And that's what I find recreational riders are lacking. They are lacking the motivation to become good. And by that, I mean, I'm always going to be striving to be a better rider. I will never wake up one day and say, hey, today is my day. I am now a finished good rider and I don't need to practice anymore. I don't need any more mentoring or lessons. That's just not going to happen. And it doesn't happen with any sport, any art, any craft, anything. It requires us always trying to become better. You just don't arrive one day. So... It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to say, not today, not this horse, not tomorrow. I'm done. Uh, I'm scared. I'll never get better. And believe me, that was my thought. All I ever wanted was to be a good rider and ride without fear. And the only reason I kept at it was because of the passion, the passion that I had for it. 
So when I was a little girl, I used to take uh, piano lessons from an elderly lady who lived across the street. And we were supposed to practice 30 minutes a day. I say we because me and my brother both took lessons from her. And when I went to my lesson once a week, do you think this elderly lady by the name of Mrs. Berlin, do you think she knew if I had practiced or not? Of course she knew. Of course she could tell. So having a lesson once a week and not practicing in between is not going to make you a better writer, just like it would not make me a good piano player. So when I say good practice, I mean, we have to teach you to break down into non-threatening exercises, some practice skills that you can do on your own. See, most of us take a lesson once a week. And the reason we don't practice in between, we might think we're practicing, but we don't really know what to practice. We don't really want to practice without the safety net of the perceived safety net, I should say, of, of our trainer. And that is actually very, very common. So we get on and we ride around, but we don't know if we're riding correctly or not. We know that the trainer has told us a few things, but we're not even sure we remember them because we were so scared at the time that nothing, nothing sunk in. And that was me. And so I will have to say that I marveled at my own tenacity sometimes because I just couldn't get it. It wasn't happening. I was frustrated and I was always looking for the next gimmick or the next magic pill or the next horse or the next trainer that was going to magically do this for me. But until I broke it down into non-threatening doable exercises and worked on one problem or skill or breaking a bad habit and establishing a new habit, it wasn't going to happen. And uh, I am telling you that I stuck with it. I didn't give up. I kept at it because of my passion for horses. The I in kick stands for invest. Now, I always tell people you got to invest in a good horse that's well-trained, good equipment that's in good shape, and good training from a really good trainer and consistent training. So all of those things require money. And I think you probably already know this. The purchase price of your horse is probably the cheapest part of getting into horses. And you know that they require shelter, food, riding, training, equipment, and, you know, your farrier, your shoeing, your trimming. I mean, none of this is cheap. So we have to be sure that we have the money to invest. And when I say a good horse, there's a problem in the industry right now where there's a myth that when the horses broke after, say, 90 days, that they're good to go. And that is just not the case. So we don't actually, we don't really break horses anymore. We start them. So we start a horse. They've got 90 days of training on them. And literally, this that's just kindergarten if it was for a child. So imagine your, your child finishes kindergarten and you decide to enroll them in a calculus class. Well, the mind doesn't work that way. The mind works on the building of small accomplishments. That goes with humans and with horses. And so when you start a horse, 
and they've had 90 days, that's just the beginning. They aren't by any means finished. And so training, imagine what the cost is. If you have a trainer working with your horse several days a week, working them over and over and over, and not just for months and months and months, but for years, it takes a good five years, in my opinion, a good five years to finish a horse where they're mature enough, they've had enough experience, they've been there, done that, and they are confident in themselves as well as confident when a rider gets on them. So you have to remember a little baby horse, you get on him, he's two, three years old, and you put 90 days on him, and somebody comes and buys him, and they're either not confident or they're not, they don't have the expertise to support that little horse. Well, it's going to be a disaster because we all know you see someone like Chris Cox put 90 days on a horse and he can ride them and make them look like a pro. You and I get on him and we, we, we look at, we get on him and they go, well, how come we can't get him to do what you did? Well, what does he have that we don't have again? Yes, expertise. So those aren't the horses that we should be looking at. I, 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 I know that the price of horses uh, can be very high and some of them, their price tag is very high just because of their breeding and they're not even trained. But when you purchase a horse, you're purchasing training. You are not purchasing um, just a uh, four legs and a head and, you know, making sure that they're, they're sound. The most important thing is, is are they trained? Are they finished? And that is the biggest problem. That is a big myth today. And I want to spread that. Uh, I've talked to a lot of trainers, very good trainers, and they all say that that is a problem, that they get a horse in, they put 90 days on it, and then it never gets finished. And so we have to know what are our limitations? What are our strengths? Do we have the ability to continue the training of a little horse like that? Do we have the money to continue training for another three years on a horse that's young like that and needs to be finished? So when I'm prying a horse, I am looking for training. I am purchasing training and training is expensive, as you all know. And so I see people, they put an ad on, you know, in Craigslist And they put that they're looking for this horse that goes down the trail and he has no bad habits and he loads and he goes through water and he's great ground manners and has this and has that. And they want to spend $1,500 and you're going to get $1,500 worth of training in a horse like that. So if you want to be safe and you want to start building your confidence, it's not going to be on a horse that is not finished that is green and is not ready for a beginner rider. And that's just a fact. And so when I help someone go look for a horse, uh, I say it's a, it's, it's probably around 4,000 to $4,500 that I start at. Um, you might be able to get an older horse for less, but I, that's, that's what I look for. I know the price tag is going to be training. Again, like I said, it could be breeding. I mean, some of these horses are very expensive and they're not even trained yet, but I'm just talking about the everyday all around good horse for 
the average recreational rider that just wants an all-around good horse. You can go horse camping. You could go to Jim Canna. You could go down the trail. You, you know, just a a good horse that's safe. Now, those horses can even get frustrated with fearful riders because I call it the vicious cycle. You become scared. Then the horse feels that you're nervous and then he becomes nervous. You feel that he's even more nervous and you even become more nervous. And it's like this vicious cycle. The horse is literally becoming hypersensitive. He's looking for danger because you're projecting it to him. And I used to do this all the time and I would say, oh my gosh, look here, he's doing it again. Well, why wouldn't he act like that when the trainer got on him? Well, it's because he sensed that I was uneasy. He sensed I was fearful. And so therefore he knew I wasn't going to support him. I wasn't going to be there for him. I wasn't going to be the person that if he got into trouble, I was going to get him out of it. So he didn't trust me. You know, I've had people say to me, oh, I just don't think my horse likes me. And I said, well, I don't think it's that he doesn't like you. I just don't think he trusts you because you haven't shown him that you have his back, that you're going to be able to support him if something goes wrong. So I have to laugh when people say, well, I'm looking for a bomb-proof horse. Well, I don't think there's such a thing. Everybody, everything, every animal, everything gets startled from time to time. So you're going to have a horse and something's going to spook him. And the difference between him running off and saving himself or just standing still and relaxing kind of blowing out his air and licking his lips and then walking on is whether or not he feels that you're confident. And you, you all know, you've all heard stories. Horses are one of the most sensitive animals that God ever put on this earth. Besides being beautiful, they are sensitive and they can read you like a book. And that used to freak me out because I would be thinking the horse knows I'm afraid. The horse knows I'm afraid. It's like somebody saying to you, Oh, uh, that dog, he senses whether you're, you're afraid or not. Well, he looks really scary and his teeth are all growling and, you know, he's looking all, you know, like scary and everything. And you, and, and then someone says, well, he can sense your fear. So don't, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you're right. I am fearful. How am I supposed to not be? How am I supposed to hide it if they can sense it? So it's the same thing with horses. We've got to become comfortable. We have to be their source of confidence. And how are we going to do that if we're so afraid we can't even support the horse? So we want the horse to be confident for us. And that's impossible. These are flight animals. That's not how they're designed. They're not designed to be brave for you. And that's irresponsible as an owner. So I knew that. And in my opinion, I was, I was thinking, well, so what am I going to do to get over this? How am I going to be the the owner that my horse deserves. And so when you're looking for a horse, start by looking for a horse that's well-trained. Take a trainer with you. Be realistic about the price tag and understand what you're paying for. Not a pretty paint or a pretty buckskin or a pretty palomino. You are paying for training. Same thing with equipment. You know, when is it okay to get used equipment and and not okay? Well, a really, really nice, well-made uh, handmade saddle. That is a great thing to buy used because a good handmade leather saddle with a good tree, they're going to last forever. And so something like that, yeah, buy a used one, make sure it fits, take somebody with you that knows. And 
what's not okay? Well, I would never buy a used pad. Um, somebody else's pad that's all sweaty and the, the felt is all broken down. And I see people doing that all the time, buying used equipment and trying to cut corners. And actually, I think when we do that, the horse suffers. And so I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm a big fan of very, very well-made saddle pads. Good, very good saddle pads, because it's going to be very, very sore on the horse if you use some broken down, you know, used or even a new, you know, $100 pad, they don't last very long. And that's the only thing between you, your horse's back and that saddle. And it's, it's not comfortable. Saddles are not necessarily comfortable. So look up CSI saddle pads. Um, I believe it's C as in cat, S as in Sam, I as in India, pads.com. And look at the science of a pad like that. I've had mine for eight years and it's still in really good shape. And so I, I just look for really good equipment. I look for top quality leather and I try not to cut corners. And once you invest in really good equipment, you don't have to keep buying stuff because the good equipment lasts a long time. What do they say? Buy nice or buy twice. I kind of like that. And then also you need to invest in good training. And so I'll tell you something. Um, I think anytime we're trying to become good at anything, I think it requires a good coach or a teacher or a mentor. And I just don't think, I mean, there's, you see people that are self-taught, but I just don't think that self-taught is always the way for everyone to go. I think there are exceptions, but we really do need to keep up our training. We need to get good at it. I mean, to this day, I'm still looking for trainers, mentors. I still take lessons. I'm always trying to get better. And I don't think that, that we ever arrive one day and say, okay, well, I'm good enough because I don't know. I just don't think we should just be good enough for our horses. I think we should be the best we can be for our horses. I think that's a responsible uh, mindset for a horse owner, especially somebody who is experiencing fear or lack of confidence in the saddle. So, you know, I can remember going to lessons and having the trainers, you know, yell out all this stuff to me. And, you know, I'm on the horse's back. I'm terrified. All I'm trying to do is stay alive. And they're yelling all this stuff like, relax, sit on your pockets. Don't look down, you know, take, you know, sit, you know, all this stuff they're trying to yell at you, you know, and meanwhile, all I'm trying to do is stay alive. It's not soaking in. You could yell all you want all day long. And all I'm doing is trying to stay alive. So when the lesson's over, I don't even remember anything they hardly said. All I remembered was, I just want this lesson to be over because I don't want to die today. I mean, I think some of you can relate to that, that, that feeling and that frustration. And so I remember one particular lesson. It was a, I was crying and the lesson was over. I was driving home and I remember thinking all she kept saying to me over and over was heels down, heels down. Will you put your heels down? Jeez, put your heels down. And I thought, what if for the rest of the week between now and next week's lesson, what if I just put my heels down? What if I just walked and trot and did nothing but concentrate on keeping my heels down? Nothing else. Um, and it worked. It was like then it became muscle memory. And 
I remember coming back the next week and her saying to me, well, I don't know what you did, but you finally started keeping your heels down. Well, the mind works on the building of small accomplishments, like I said before. And so I realized, well, if that worked, what could I do next week? So I asked her, if I, if I just want to do one thing, concentrate on one thing for next week, what would it be? And she said, well, how about if you stop looking down? So I started trying to look around. She says, don't stare at the horse's head and don't look down. Okay, so I just started looking around and looking ahead and concentrating on that. Well, then that worked too. So here's what I do. I Not only do I break down the emotion of fear, but I also try to break down the training aspects and build back up your confidence, start at basics, and get you to start using your brain so that you're actually working at the task at hand. You're not just hoping getting on the horse's back and hoping that you make it through a practice session. You're actually thinking about what you should be doing and how to do it correctly. So your mind isn't on your fear. And we're going to try to take the emotion out of it, which I said before. So obviously you want to invest in a good horse, good equipment, and good training. And let's move on. The C in kick stands for courage. And I'll tell you, it takes courage in order to build confidence. And some days you have more courage than others. And I get it. I get what that feels like when your trainer or somebody asks you to do something and you are so scared. But you simply cannot overcome fear without being brave enough to walk through it. You've got to be able to say, okay, I'm going to at least do it. Because folks, I'll tell you what we do. We build it up so much in our mind that we've made it worse than it actually is. We've built it up so, oh my gosh, if I have to walk through water with a horse that's balking and won't go, or I have to do this, or I have to do that, I am so scared, or I have to canter, uh, you simply cannot overcome it unless you walk through it. That's just the way it is, and that requires you being brave. And when I teach my three-day clinics, and I see people, you know, literally shaking And I say, come on, we're all here. We're rooting for you. Let's do it. And they do it and they see it wasn't so bad. They are just elated because they have made it so much worse in their mind. I've also seen people that say, I'll say, now it's your turn. You're going to try. And they'll say, no, I'm not. And, and, and what are you telling me? What are you telling me? You, you, you pay for a three-day clinic, and what are you telling me when you say, no, I won't, or I can't? You're saying, I won't. I won't even try. So is that being brave? No. Is that showing courage? No. I'm telling you, I never, and I'm sure most trainers and most clinicians will never ask someone to do something that they don't think they're ready for. But at some point, you have to say, Put down the fear and trust the training and say, okay, I'll try it. Because I can't means I won't. And I won't means I don't even know why you're there. And I had to get past that. Now, remember that courage is an action word. Fear is an emotional word and it's a nasty one because fear lies to us. 
And, but courage is an action word. That's a choice. You can choose to be brave. You can choose to be courageous or not. The choice is ultimately yours. And here's the thing. We live in a world full of choices. And ultimately, our choices definitely reflect on how successful we are going to be. So the C in kick stands for courage. And you really need to just remember some days just to take a deep breath and go, boom, I'm doing it. So the last K in kick stands for knowledge. And that's where I'm going to be spending most of our time from now on and in almost every podcast after this, because knowledge is the key. It's, it's the key to everything. And once you know, you can't go back. So once someone teaches you something and you understand why you have to do it that way and why it's important to do it correctly, you can't go back. And if you do, you're cheating yourself and you're cheating the horse. And it shows that you're lazy and you don't want to work at it. And I hate that when I see that. I see a student really, really progressing, really progressing. And then I say, oh, why aren't you taking lessons anymore? Not necessarily from me, but just lessons in general from their trainer. Oh, oh, they were teaching me things I didn't think I needed to know. I just want to walk down the trail. And I go, wait a second. I mean... I I, I hate it when I hear people say, I'm just a trail rider. Hey, I got news for you. Trail riding requires skill because that is a uncontrolled environment. Whereas when you're practicing in an arena, there is a safety of that fence or that rail around you. But when you are on the trail, that is no, there's anything can happen. There is a, uh, a lot of things that can fly up that can happen uh, to scare your horse scare you and it's an uncontrolled environment so I would think a trail rider would want to be even better or needs to be better for the safety of their horse you know I've had people say to me oh you know that horse is really dangerous he just turned around and ran home with me and he didn't even care about me he just ran off and I'm thinking that horse is saving himself He's gone back to his instinct, which is I'm a flight animal and I'm going to turn and run back to safety, which is the barn or the herd or somewhere where he's going to be safe because he knows you're not going to keep him safe. Because again, we talked about how sensitive horses are. So as long as I live and breathe, I will never have enough knowledge because once you think you know everything is when the horse will show you just how much you don't know. And that's why I, in my, uh, in my clinics, I am really, really a stickler for knowledge. And here's the deal. I didn't know how much I didn't know. I actually thought I was an intermediate rider when I started working on my journey into more confident riding. I actually thought I I was taking lessons for eight years. I mean, shouldn't I be good at, at, at this by now? Actually, no, I was not. I was not because the training hadn't sunk in, because the the philosophy of why we were supposed to do things correctly had never sunk in. I never um, had the ability to break down the training, understand what I was doing wrong or, or, or wasn't doing at all, and start making better choices and start working on uh, becoming a better horse horseback rider 
and becoming confident in the saddle. I mean, I know what it feels like. No one knows better than me how it feels to be on horseback and something goes wrong and you are terrified and all you want to do is get back to the barn, get off that horse and save yourself. I mean, I no one knows it better than me. I used to wish the lessons away. I wished lessons would end because I, I just couldn't stand the pressure of being forced to do something and being so scared. But yet at the end of the lesson, I didn't learn anything. I didn't know anything. I was just in self-preservation mode. I'm just trying not to die that day. And that's not what, what horseback riding is about. It is actually very difficult to learn correctly. And until I learned things like why I collect a horse, why my posture and my balance and my seat had to be correct, until I learned all that, I couldn't do it. And I didn't soak it in and I didn't understand it and I didn't, wouldn't progress. And once I understood it and it had meaning and once I came up with a plan on how to start this journey, that's when I started to see the improvement. That's when things started to change. And that's what I'm going to ask you. How many of you actually go out to the barn with a plan? Because most of us go out to the barn and saddle up and just hope we don't die that day. And that was me. And that's no way to enjoy our horses. I mean, heavens, we know how expensive this sport is. So we're not going to continue that we're going to start learning a plan that we can do ourselves that we can work on things without being it so scary and that's what my plan is that's what I teach is how can I make it so that you can do exercises on your own without me without your trainer in between lessons and you could start to get better So ladies and gentlemen, I just want to thank you for your attention today and I hope you enjoyed my very first podcast and what I want to do is start a segment now where I'm going to just start concentrating on different aspects and different things we need to know because we want to become fearless riders and until next time, I want to see you here again. Thank you again for joining me. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Fearless Rider with Heidi McLaughlin. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and please rate us and give a review. For more information, go to fearlessrider.com. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.